0: Weary, that we might walk through the avenues of our life and not faint, that truly we might accomplish by your strength, by your grace, by your influence, all that you've created us to do in this generation and at this time, for we have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We are so grateful for your love that you have showed towards us that in order to satisfy your love for us, you sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sin that we might be reconciled to you as sons and daughters. Not just as people trying to get by, but sons and daughters of yours, heirs of yours and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, Holy Spirit, To grant unto each one this morning a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that we might know what is the expectation, the hope encouragement of the call that you have upon us today individually, us as a church in this generation and at this time that we wouldn't lag behind but we would begin to run the race set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, laying aside the weights and the sin that has so easily sidetracked us and beset us in times past but no longer, we set them aside, focusing on you that there might be a kick to our steps in our generation that it wouldn't go by us having not finished our race but we would run in our generation to finish and to lay hold of the prize of the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. So open that up to us. Reveal that to us. Show us our great inheritance. Reveal to us the exceeding greatness of your power that you release towards us who believe. That same mighty, miracle-working power that raised Christ from the dead. That same authoritative power you caused to be supreme in Him when you raised Him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And Jesus, You are our head. We are Your body. All things put under Your feet. We thank You for the authority that You've given us in this day. And a revelation of that. We ask you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak this morning. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. That truly we might be equipped to walk out your plan for us in this generation. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and every life by your word and by your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, church. Once again, amen. Look at somebody next to you say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Once again, welcome. We want to every, w- welcome everyone who's joining us online. We want to welcome Meeker Campus. Thanks for uh, being there. We, we count you valuable and precious, uh, what God is doing in this region. And we're glad that you are with us uh, today. Um, praise the Lord. I'm just going to jump right in. Tune- open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Uh, oddly enough, uh, I have eight pages of notes this morning. And uh, I believe it's important what we're we're sharing, but obviously, if I have eight pages of notes, I'm going to have to to work through these notes to get done on time today. So, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, we are talking about we are... The body. And so understanding the body of Christ, what the body is. So this morning we're going to go backwards to launch us forward in the upcoming weeks uh, that we have concerning talking about the body. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 says this And he put all things under his feet and gave him, speaking of Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Somebody say the church. The church, which is his body, the fullness of Him who fills everything. God has a plan to fill all the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so He has His church and He's going to fill His church with the fullness of all that He is, all that He has, so that we might go out and fill everywhere that we go with that very same understanding. The Message Bible says it like this, He's in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything at the center of all this Christ rules the church The church you see is not peripheral to the world The world is peripheral to the church The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence Reading this scripture, it begins, you know, I begin to meditate on this. We're not peripheral to the world. Uh, uh, the world is peripheral to the church. And so when we look at it, we begin to realize and, and understand something. Uh, that we need to realize is how does the world look at the church? You know, Jesus asked this question at one point in time. He, he asked people, what are, what are men talking about? What are, what's the general public talking about? Then he came and said, what, are you, uh, what do you say that I am? And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But you know, the world in the day that we live in begins to think that the church is peripheral to it. They may think that the, world, the, the church is weak, powerless, the church is out of touch with reality. The, the, the church is not relevant uh, uh, to what is going on today. That the church is out of date. You know, you could go on the list. Goes on and on and on, right? The world views the church in a certain way. But Jesus views and sees His church much differently than the world does. Jesus sees His church infinitely valuable come on on. jesus sees his church as infinitely when you start talking about the church and start talking down or away you're talking about jesus body he says his body is infinitely valuable eternally precious and immeasurably immeasurably valuable or immeasurably glorious Come on, Jesus is looking at the church. He says this is valuable, right? This is precious. The church is glorious. Unfortunately, many Christians, people who call themselves Christians, actually view the church more like the world does than Jesus does. Many in the world view the church more like the world than Jesus. So. Really, in the next few uh, weeks, we hope to really get a better idea and begin to see the church like Jesus sees the church rather than like the world sees the church. So what do you mean we see the church like the world sees the church? There's about 332 million people in America. About 332 million people in America. 65 to 75% of them Uh, profess to be Christians, profess to be believers, right? So about 200, somewhere around 225 million Americans profess to be Christians. Yet on any given Sunday, remember, 225 million profess to be Christian. Yet on any given Sunday... Only about 52 million actually gathered together with other believers to worship. That doesn't sound like people who see the church as infinitely valuable, immeasurably glorious, right? Eternally precious. So there's 173 million people who say that they're Christians who don't have or see it important to gather together in a depth of relationship with the church. 173 million people who say, I'm a Christian, but as we are Christians, we are called to be a part of the body of Christ. We are called to be members of the Church of Jesus Christ. So if we just got to the point where we talked to these 173 million people, we would have all kinds of explanations. Some of those might be your story, uh, how you look at it, but there's all kinds of reasons maybe why people don't come. First of all, you know, people just said, you know what, when I was a, 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 a young child, my parents took me to church, I was baptized, and so therefore I'm a Christian, but since that time have really never lived or walked in that, so they call themselves a Christian right but yet they don't have any engagement any fellowship any worship with uh, the body of Christ or with uh, a church Others might say, you know what, Uh, uh, really, my mom and dad, just like we were talking about the parenting, my mom and dad took me to church. Uh, It was their faith. It wasn't my faith. So after I, when I became a teenager, I just went my own way. I consider myself still a Christian, but uh, I've really just left the fellowship of believers. Others would say, you know, I used to be involved in church and and go to church, but somewhere along the line, I got burned by the church in the sense that, you know, I started watching and there was sin in the church. Or there was scandal in the church, just didn't think it was uh, really, you know, something that I wanted to be identified with or a part of that. Others said, you know, I I was regularly going to church, but somehow I I picked up an offense against people. And really through that offense or that wound, I just decided that I wasn't uh, really going to go and be a part of a local church anymore. Others just really just drifted away and we could go on and on About the number of the 173 million why they don't gather together anymore and we really can find this pretty easy right you almost many people almost have a more difficult time explaining why they have to go to a football game than why they would go to church it actually becomes pretty easy even as a Christian to abandon the thought of the church Why? Well, we really live in a very individualistic society. We probably live in the most individualistic society of any generation on the face of the earth. Our nation is very individualistic, and so it really comes to be about all about us, about what we're doing uh, in those things. So really, if we get that mindset of the church uh, that we don't want, we won't really want to have the mindset of the church that Jesus sees in the church. So Jesus, if we find the definition that Jesus has of his church, and we begin to see what Jesus defined it as, we define the church in the same way that Jesus did, then we really start off of a better foundation to expand off of that definition rather than the definition that the world has given to us, rather than to see the church not as important, not as valuable, not as glorious. Right, We have to be careful as a people to not begin to look around and become individually, become selfish, become really the consumer mentality of a church in more of what's in it for me and and how do I feel about this and what am I going to get out of this rather than what Jesus said about it so that we can understand really the part that he has for us to play in a much bigger picture. And so really, you know, uh, through the next couple of weeks... I'm going I'm to reach out and really uh, try to give you this thought in the next few weeks. I hope that we convey an understanding that after we talk about the body, we talk about the church, that you find that it is the greatest privilege, the greatest privilege, the greatest privilege in your life to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that you discover a renewed passion, a renewed passion of being in the church, which is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come 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 on, so we have to ask ourselves this question, what is the church? Really, what is the church? So if we think about it, well, we think, you know, is it when, you know, Three people uh, go downtown, they stop at the bus stop, and uh, while they're at the bus stop, they begin to talk about Scripture. Is that the church? Or if somebody gets, <laughs> if somebody gets you know, we, we get five people, and we get in the car, and we start to drive down to, uh, uh, um, you know, Denver, and we, we talk about spiritual things, is that the church? Is our small group the church? Is that really Jesus' definition of the church? If it is, if it's not the church, why is it not the church? If it is the church, why is it the church? Because we can just answer, well, sure, we think it is, or no, that's really not the church. But why do we answer that way? How did Jesus describe the church? What did Jesus say about his church? So turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus himself only used the word twice twice in all the four Gospels. So we're going to launch off of that, and then we're going to build. We know that the Apostle Paul prayed for and talked about the church to many of the local churches. And so, how does Jesus describe the church? Matthew chapter 16 Most of you know this. I started with this. He's asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they had a number of different answers. And then he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven... He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. What's he talking about? He's talking in this phrase, he's talking about every believer in every age and in every place. Every believer, in every age, and in every place. In other words, he's talking about a a huge, expansive, what we would call the universal church. He's saying, listen, to Peter, he's saying, listen, all of a sudden, God showed you the reality of who I am. And anyone who gets this revelation or understands the reality of who I am, that I am the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God... And comes to the same revelation of that reality and gives his life to me. I'm going to, from that place and those individuals, every believer in every age and in every place, I'm going to build this universal church that goes on. And he says, in this reality, this understanding of this reality, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this reality. And so we know one thing right here, he's not talking about the local church. Because there's local churches everywhere that the gates of hell have beaten down to nothing. There's local churches that do not exist today because of gossip and division that the enemy has planted. So he can't be talking about that. He's talking about what, what he's doing over time. And so really th- there's something that goes on in this church that he's talking about that we can't see only he can see. Yeah. Only he knows and only he can see. So turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul's talking to Timothy, a pastor here. He says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Now listen, Jesus said, I'll build my church. I know who my church is. Now when we get together, we may not know everyone like Jesus does. He says right here, they're in church. They think Hymenus and Philetus, they're, they're all right, man. They're, 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 they belong to God. But Paul has to come and say, no, they've strayed from the faith. In our midst, in any local church midst, we don't know. The, the wheat and the tares grow up together. We don't know. Jesus knows. It says right there in this universal aspect of the church, he knows those who are his. Now, listen to this. He said, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Come on, we have people who are saying, I'm a part. I I, 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 I have given my life to Jesus, but they haven't chosen to depart from iniquity. In the church universal, as we're looking at the church, he's saying, those who believe who I am, and if they name my name, let them depart from iniquity. And I know who those are, and I know who those aren't. And when you said Jesus is mine, and you haven't chosen to depart from iniquity, you haven't fooled Jesus, so don't fool yourself. Come on, he's working to do something magnificent through his church and local churches, but we have to understand the big picture. He's looking down through every person, every age, in every place, and he knows those who are his. We don't always know. He said in every house, in every house there are vessels of gold and there are vessels of wood and clay. There are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. He said, listen, now, in every house, in every local church, in every place, you're going to have a mixture of things, but I know those who are mine. And if you know, then you purify yourself from dishonorable things so that you might be ready and meet or ready for the master's use. So he's talking about this place where we see that, you know, the, 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 his view of the church in this instance is, again, every believer in every age and in every place. And what we have to understand is belonging to the church doesn't join me to Jesus. But me being joined to Jesus causes me to belong to the church. Right, We have to understand this, what he's saying, because he's, he's about to talk about the church again and really bring into clarity what he has planned for the church. And so as we look at this, we want to uh, uh, really begin to look at some things. Uh, look at this, this. Just look with me for a moment. i gotta, I got to skip over a few things I want to get to this. Turn over to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. So we bring it all to this culmination, if I, uh, you know, uh, cut a little corner here, we, we move to revelation of what Jesus was saying. He's saying, listen, this is my church that I'm gonna build on the reality and the understanding that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's gonna move through time and ages and generations and places, but there's going to be a gathering together that is going to be glorious. It's going to be uh, universal. It's going to be awesome, right? And so we get to be a part of it if we hold to that place. He says, uh, verse uh, 9, he says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come on. He said there's going to be a great gathering together from believers of every age and from every place, every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. So first of all, Jesus speaks of this universal church. Now turn with me to Matthew, the 19th chapter. Wow, we got to get moving here. Did I say Matthew, the 19th chapter? Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew the, eight, Matthew, the 18th chapter, the 15th verse. Jesus says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. There's a lot here we don't have time to go into. We might later. How often we have a, 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 a dispute and we go tell everybody but our brother or sister. Jesus' goal here, which we've gotten wrong sometimes in the church, is we think this is a way when somebody I disagree with, this is a process to get them out of the church. It's really not. It's a process to restore. It's an honest process to restore. So he says, you go tell him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with him one or two. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Somebody say the church. Church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen tax collector. So he says... Take it to the church. Now listen, he can't be talking about the universal church here. He can't say, take that fault to every believer from every age and in every place. He can't be talking about that. So what is he talking about? He's talking about a local body of believers. He's talking about a local body of... Of believers yeah. so he uses this word ecclesia e- ecclesia however you say ecclesia I say ecclesia there's a big debate but anyway if you look at it it means called together called to gather Come on. Come on. called out together Right? And so Jesus had uh, uh, this understanding about this, about uh, all the believers and what we were called to do. And so number one, he talks to the church about it, it, universal. Every believer in every age and in every place. Now he comes to talk about a local gathering of believers. right? An assembly, called out ones. In this, and Jesus, knowing right now at this time, he's using this word, and certainly we understand as we move into the New Testament and we talk about uh, the Gentile churches, how Paul used them, that coming from the, the, the understanding of the Greeks, they understood this, but Jesus is actually coming from the place of the Gospels and speaking to people who understood the law. And so within the law, we want to understand that we go back and and we'll look at this. But when, when God spoke to Moses, he said, gather them together. And that Hebrew word is kahal, but if you go to the Greek translation of that, it's ecclesia. So he told Moses, get the ecclesia. Even in the Old Testament, he said, my desire is that my people gather together he told pharaoh let my people go that they might gather together and worship me so jesus is saying listen there's going to be believers but you're going to join together in a local body for what purpose you're going to gather together to worship me Come on, what is the church? Just a couple of people hanging out talking about the word? It's a gathering together to worship him. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 4. How do we worship him? Well, we just had praise and worship. We, we label that. But there's a number of ways to worship God. We sing, we look to him, we worship. But listen to what, what he said to Moses. He said, uh, especially concerning the day you stood before me, the Lord your God on Horeb. When the Lord said to me, gather, this is where he uses that word kahal, except, and it's translated into Greek, uh, ekklesia, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. He said the ecclesy is to come to worship me, to hear my word, to learn to reverence me, and how to live under the authority of my word. not by yourself, gather together to worship me, to hear my word, to reverence God. Brother John talked about this, you know, when he was here, John Bevere. He believes in this last day revival, there's going to be a renewal of the fear of the Lord. A reverence of God. We want, a, we want a move of God. We want God to move. Yet, do we, do we respect the word when we come together as the words of men or as they are in truth, the word of God? To have a move of God, he talked about a revival in Brazil, a meeting he went to, and people are talking to them uh, each other, going and coming, going to the bathroom, doing worship, and God said, I'm not going to move here. And he had to spend three days talking about the fear of the Lord, not just getting up and coming and going like you were at a movie theater, but reverencing God. God's speaking. The Word of God is being read. The Word of God is being preached. It's not just somebody standing up to speak. God is looking to get something into your heart that you might have authority over the day-to-day life, that you might know that if I live this, if I just obey God, I'm exercising authority over the enemy. But if you don't know what to obey, if you don't know what to say, If you were here Wednesday night, it was so impressionable to this point. Our founding fathers knew so much of the Word that when they sat together thinking about how to govern a new nation, they were just talking and the Word came out. It was in their heart. They had been in church. They had been in Bible study. And when they said, wait a minute, why are we trying to figure this all out? Does not God have it planned? They built a nation from the Word of God in their heart. They governed from a Word of God in their heart. We've lost it. And he said, that's what my church is for. See, we can come and say, I want church for this and this, and we can get a consumer mentality. And there's big things we're going to talk about that come from that. But if we don't start seeing the church like Jesus does, that without the reality that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if I believe that and he died for me to break the power of sin, then why would I not depart from iniquity and embrace him? And if I've done that, I become a part of this great gathering, the universal church, that one day, every one of us, tribe, tongue, people, and nation are going to be in a great company. And right there, the lamb is going to be in the middle of it. And we're going to be rejoicing. But here, we gather together as local churches. One, we gather to worship. Two, we're sent out to serve. We gather to worship. We're sent out to serve. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 49. So we have the one definition from Jesus. Every believer from every age and in every place. And then a gathering of people. A gathering of people to worship, to hear the word, to reverence God, and to learn how to live life under the authority of God's word. And sent out... To serve. Isaiah chapter 49, the NLT says it like this. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. Other translations say, I'll make you a light to the nations, and you will bring my salvation to to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer, and the Holy One of Israel says to the one who is despised and rejected by nations, to the one who is the servant of rulers, kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will also bow low because the Lord, the faithful one, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. He says, you're going to come together and you're going to worship me and you're going to hear my word and you're going to reverence me, respect me, obey me and you're going to come under this place of of living by the authority of my word and I'm going to send you out and you're going to be a light to the nations. And those who have been oppressed, those who have been ruled over are going to see God's hand is on you and that you've been chosen by God to serve him amongst the peoples of the world. Praise the Lord. All right, I got to figure out how to wrap this up. We only have 6 more pages. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's very interesting. <laughs> you can do it. It's very interesting that as we look through the epistles, it never says the local church, never calls the local church a part of the church. It says the church. The church at Antioch. The church of Corinth. The church at Ephesus. So I was reading after one writer. He said, you know, when we look at the moon at night, and I was thinking about this because my grandson Matthew, man, I don't know what they told him, but he knows where the moon is. He's riding in the car. The moon. We're walking down the driveway one night. The moon. And it's like, it's that, that, the little small sliver of the moon. It may be a full moon. He's like, oh, the moon. But he, he'll spot the moon wherever the moon is. Like we're walking. I mean, it was the middle of the day. I took him to lunch the other day. We're sitting eating, uh, you know, a burrito. He's eating a, a cheesy roll-up wrap. I don't know what that is, but it's on the kid's menu. And so he's eating that, and all of a sudden he starts looking around. I'm like, I wonder what he's thinking. He goes, the moon. And it's like the middle of the day. And he sees the moon. So he says, when we see the moon, it might be in the slightest sliver, but we don't look and say, there's a part of the moon. We say, there's the moon. There's the moon. And this is what he said. This is a quote. Sorry, I don't have the name here. The part that is visible is genuine moon. And what is more, it is actually, although invisible to us, right, part of, or, or, or a vital part to the rest of the moon. Right? We only see that, but we call it the moon. And it is the moon. So similarly, the local church congregation is genuine church become visible it is the body of Christ and invisibly one in him with the whole of his body what you see is the church new creation church the local church body it's visible, but it's part of a universal church that you don't see. Praise the Lord. So, got to get two, four more pages. Let me just end with this. This question, do you belong to the church? Understand this, you can't belong to the church till you're first joined with Christ. Today, do you have a revelation of the reality that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? That he took your sin, he bore it in his body on the cross that day, broke the power and the slavery of that sin so you no longer have to live according to the dictates of that slave master sin. Are you a part with him of that universal church? Are you joined with that Messiah. Are you ready to say today, listen, no more, as John said that day, no more lovers, no more iniquity, no more. I'm ready for you, the Lord of all, to take me. Maybe a prodigal son, maybe one who was a skeptic, but now I believe I'm ready to be joined to you and belong to your church. If you say, you know what, I I don't know if I belong to the church. Today's your day. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Today's the day you say, I'm coming to you. I'm laying my life aside. No other more. I'm going to name the name of Jesus. I'm going to depart from iniquity. Knowing what you've done for me. I'm going to be a part of that great company of believers that one day will be gathered out of every place from every nation, every tribe, every kindred and we'll all be together in that one great congregation of believers from every age and from every place with Him. I want to be in that day. If you don't know if you are, raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. Anybody at all? Say, this is it. I've thought of the church like the world. I've thought it's insignificant. It's out of date. It's really not helpful. But I'm getting a view that Jesus has. That it's infinitely valuable. That it's so precious. It's so glorious. That I don't want to miss out on that great company of believers. Anybody at all? So then to the rest of you, are you ready to be the local church that we gather together with the importance? We're not making excuses with the 173 million who say, but they don't have any intimate personal relationship with the body with the gathering together they don't come together to worship to hear his word to to reverence him to learn how to live by the authority of his word so that they can what be sent out to make a difference because in this day again jesus said this is my church He said, I'm going to go about building my church. And when he talked about every believer in every age and in every place, he was talking about all through time. But then he came and said, there is a church. There's local churches all over that I've ordained for places of gathering to worship so that I can send them to serve. Why don't you stand up? I hope you got something out of that today. We may pick up next week with the other four pages. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven, God? We thank you. We lift our hands to you as an act of surrender. For everyone in this room, they said they belong to your church. So Holy Spirit today, pray that you'd increase that revelation. moved by your Spirit with the understanding, the value, the importance and the glory of the church that you move on our hearts like never before, the desire to come together to worship you, to learn from you, to reverence you, to learn through your word how we can live in authority over the enemy, over the day-to-day struggles through your word, that we might be ready to be sent out as lights to a generation that's being overwhelmed by darkness. We are the light of the world. You've anointed us and appointed us for this generation. Stir in us a new fervor a new passion. God, let it be the greatest privilege of our life to know that we are part of your church. Forgive us where we've devalued. We didn't know what we were doing. Forgive us. Holy Spirit, stir in us. Knowing that as we come together so that you can send us out, there are many, many out there who will come to know Jesus Christ because of our coming together to worship and our being sent out to serve. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you say this as we go? What God did in Christ Jesus? far siege. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.